You're listening to The CX Show, conversations on customer experience presented by SailMove. I'm Jeffrey Mack, Director of Marketing at SailMove, and welcome to The CX Show, SailMove's podcast on customer experience. Today, our CEO, Dan McKaylee, speaks to Jim Tinter, Journey Mapper-in-Chief at Heart of the Customer, a customer experience company specializing in journey mapping. In this episode, we'll talk to Jim about mapping the customer journey to uncover fixable pain points. We'll also discuss how to drive action from the output of the mapping exercise and how to measure success using the bottom line. Finally, we'll learn more about Heart of the Customer's framework to ensure that you get more out of your customer journey mapping than just a pretty picture on the wall. So without further ado, here's Dan and Jim. Welcome to another episode of the CX Show. In each episode, we speak to a senior business leader whose role relates to customer experience, and we dive deep into specific projects or tactics that they've employed to improve customer experience. Today, our guest is Jim Tincher. Jim is the founder of, uh, oh, the founder and chief journey mapper of Heart of the Customer a company that specializes in customer journey mapping and is headquartered in beautiful Minneapolis, Minnesota. Welcome, Jim. Thanks. Glad to be here. We're really excited to have you today. So how about you tell us a little bit about yourself and Heart of the Customer? You bet. We were started about four and a half years ago and really focusing on journey mapping. It's 96% of our business last year and on really the best practices around that space. Uh, in addition to that, I also serve as a CX expert with the Customer Experience Professional Association and um, spent a lot of time there. And I was the world's second certified customer experience professional, or CCXP. They're now over 500. And so between Heart of the Customer and CXPA, that's where I spend a lot of my time. Excellent. And, and how do you define customer experience? Tell us a little bit about how it relates to the work that you do uh, with journey mapping And it's just in general, what is your definition for CX? Well, CX is it's a broad definition and it's around the overall experience customers have with you across not just touch points, but even beyond that. And there tends to be a real confusion when I talk about I'm in customer experience. Somebody not familiar with it will ask me, so you work in a call center, right? Well, Of course, customer experience is much broader than that, including not just the call center, but also the website, if you have an app, your sales reps, your advertising, all the different touch points that you have with a customer. But it's actually even broader than that. Um, I put together a piece about a month ago on why I fired Comcast, uh, because they don't really understand customer experience. And what I mean by that is they spend a lot of time talking about the need to have a better customer experience, customer service which is great to hear, but at the same time, they're implementing less customer-friendly policies like um, in net neutrality, they've decided that um, as soon as that was being opened up, they would um, they removed some of their promises to say that they will actually sell faster access to some. And so their policies, uh, they've also said that they will sell the individual's personal data, not where they go and where they visit, but they will sell names and addresses. They will sell site traffic. And so that's an example that customer experience is broader than just the deliberate interaction you have with a brand. It actually includes everything that impacts you, including such back-end policies. 
So the perception of the company as well, basically, sort of not necessarily a touch point, but how me as a uh, customer perceives that company. Is that what you mean? Exactly. Through all the different experiences you have with them. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I, I've, I've heard the definition of, you know, the, a lot of our guests talk about the different touch points, but I like this. It, it also includes sort of these passive or at least a, n- maybe non, non-deliberate touch points that you're referring to. Exactly. Great. And, and let's talk a little bit about journey mapping. When, when you are conducting a journey map, I know that there are a lot of different ways that um, we can get to the voice of the customer. We can, uh, you know, we're talking about in-person interviews, fo- focus groups, surveys, shop alongs. There's all sorts of different ways that we can connect with customers in order to gather that information that's then used in the journey map. What do you find as the most effective way to really listen to the customer's voice? So if you could just pick one, which one would you think is the most effective? Well, uh, that's a loaded question because (laughs) uh, it varies. Uh, I was talking with a hospital system yesterday, and uh, we were having this exact conversation. And um, I love to reference Daniel Kahneman's work where he talks about we have two minds. We have the remembering mind, and we have the experiencing mind. People listening to this podcast, the experiencing mind will know everything that we've said. But at the end of the podcast, much of that is lost, and all they're left with is the remembering mind. He talks that we live under the tyranny of the remembering mind. Hmm. Well, that's really important because when we look at methodology, the question is, what are we trying to optimize? If I want to optimize loyalty, in that case, I want to really leverage the remembering mind. And often we'll do individual interviews for that. Focus groups are awful. Um, You really want to get on one-on-one so you can get to the emotions they're experiencing. And so if we're looking at the remembering mind, it's often going to be uh, an individual interview. But if we want to optimize performance, then in that case, we really want to look at the experiencing mind. And I'm a big fan there of a digital ethnography, something that allows you to capture the experience as it happens. Uh, We did some work with the YMCA, and we enabled their members with a smartphone app, and they would record what was happening in the branch as they went through it. So the reason I say I don't go to one is it depends on what we're trying to optimize. If you are a retailer, for example, if I want to optimize loyalty, I'll do individual in-home ethnographic interviews. Mm-hmm. If I want to get somebody to convert and to buy more in the store, that's a horrible methodology. There I need to be with them, either from a shop along or an app, and get it in the moment. That's really interesting. I like those concepts of the experiencing mind and the remembering mind. Does that does that tie to the name of your company, Heart of the Customer? Is that what you're getting at, that experiencing mind? Well, it's much more about the emotions part was what led to that. Uh, and here we are in Valentine's Day week. So we, we love to celebrate that because it's we are about the heart and about the emotions of the customer. Too often we, as business people, focus on the rational experience and that really is not how you optimize emotion we're much more about how you optimize loyalty we're much more about understanding the emotions behind it which is what led to the name of the company 
Interesting. Okay. Thanks for that. And let's say that you, you know, if you're focusing on moments of truth within the journey, right? What do you think is the most important question or most important conversation that you can have with a customer about a specific moment of truth in order to really understand that part of the journey? Well, the magic comes in getting people to keep talking and to get them to explore as they go. A deliberate question about the most important moments will lead you to rational items like price. Now, I would never say price does not matter, but if price is all that mattered, there'd be no Nordstrom's. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd all be buying, we'd only be buying at Marshall's. There's many more things that matter, but if you just use a question answer, short question, short answer, you never get to it. You really need to try to get the participant, whether this is a business or a consumer, um, to start talking and sharing their stories. And that's when they come out. They talk about the frustration that happened or the joy of a certain thing. And that only comes after they've been talking for a few minutes nonstop as you get them to share their story. How do we dig in further? How do we achieve that? You know, in, in for us that are interacting with our customers and looking to learn more, what do we what do we what can we do to get them talking like that and to really get to the the heart, no pun intended, of the matter? <laughs> um, it's a great pun. I love it. Well, <laughs> the the first part is um, really shutting up. And that's the hardest part in the interview is to, um, as soon as it goes silent, we want to interject and help the person we're interviewing by saying, well, for example, or some other probe. The first thing is just listening. And if they give a short answer, what we all tend to do is just jump in and, and to help them or move on. It's actually not jumping in, it's waiting, uh, and not saying okay or anything else, maybe a head nod, but then get them to keep going, help them understand that they are in charge of the conversation, which I find is far more important than the actual questions. The questions matter. But the patience to sit and to listen and to help your customers start opening up and talking and sharing the story, that's really when we start getting to the heart of the conversation to get to the emotions. That's when you move beyond the superficial, easy answers. That's a really, really great point. I, I think that that's such an important tactic that's that's missed by a lot of people, not only in these types of conversations, but just in, in general conversation, letting the silence do the work. It's really hard because you, we all want to help. and um, But it is how you really start getting to open up. Makes a lot of sense. Now, another another question that I wanted to ask you is I know that one thing that you you talk a lot about is sort of simplifying the, the journey map as much as possible, right? Uh, and, but there are definitely a lot of pretty complex journeys out there. I'm sure that you, you've experienced this with the clients that you work with. What are, I guess, what are the the different minimums and maximums of steps in a journey that you've seen in your work? And 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 tell us a little bit about how you deal with complexity and simplicity when it comes to these exercises. That's a wonderful question. And it varies significantly depending on a couple of things. First of all, the complexity of the journey and the scope we're trying to go after. And then lastly, the culture of our client. Mm 
Uh, let me start with that last one. When we work with an engineering company, the map looks absolutely nothing that, like it does if we're working with a marketing or organization. An engineer wants text. They, they expect to see that. They like the detail. And if we were to take um, a map, for example, we have a, one that was written up in the book Mapping Experiences by Jim Callback is some work we did with Meridian Health. And there we were working with our sponsors were marketing. We were working with the organization. Our number one goal was to show the emotions. So we have a very simple map there where we really focus on the three different personas and what their emotions are. And it's a fairly complex journey, but that our scope is to help them understand where customers are frustrated. We did work with an engineering firm, um, and their scope was to understand their customers, which were home, um, housing builders, and how they actually run the experience. Well, because this was an engineering firm, and it was they wanted to know what is happening instead of the emotions, that ends up being a much more complex map with a lot more text in it because of a combination of the scope and the audience. And so we really sit back and say, what is the key message that we want to deliver? And often our first version of the map is too complicated. We then have to, and I'm, I'm careful about the word simplify, but we have to say, what is it that absolutely is essential to the customer's story? Everything we add actually subtracts from that story. So we spend a lot of time after the first version of the map saying, what can we remove? without impacting what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, that might be, for example, the opportunities for the company. We may decide that we can better use that space to delve more into emotions, or that could be really critical. And so we are always reviewing back to what is the scope of our client, what do we know about their culture, and what are we trying to accomplish. I really like that. So you can have a, you know, you can have a journey that's extremely complex but really, it's reduced by the scope or the lens that we are looking at it, uh, you know, for, that, for those particular requirements. It becomes what, what, are the, what are the individual stops along that journey that's most relevant for this particular lens or scope? Exactly. We're working with an insurance company to understand the, out, the underwriting journey. And there are a lot of things happening in the journey. But they were less concerned about knowing what all the steps are and more knowing their impact. And so what we did is we moved up a level instead of representing all the individual steps. We represented the phases of the experience. We had some of the text explaining what the steps are, but really the space was taken up to describe the phases because that's what they cared about. That's great. So, and you mentioned Meridian Health, and that's that's going to be our featured project for today. But I want to ask one more question before we really jump into that and, and dig dig deeper. What are the most surprising common characteristics that you find across your journey maps? Well, typically, it is those emotions. One of the things we do in our process is we begin with what we call a hypothesis mapping session. I'm very deliberate about that because we're getting what our clients' hypotheses are of the journey, what they think we're going to hear. Mm -hmm. And what we find is that they get the steps 70 to 80% right. 
there are some pieces that usually don't involve them that they miss. Um, they almost always know how customers interact with them. Not always, but usually. But the emotions that they feel about this really surprises them. Uh, we're working in a B2B journey in banking, and we have these videos because we do a lot of videos in our reporting of a client talking about, and I can't go too much into detail what the journey is specifically, but she was talking about how she was responsible for documents, for the customer's documents, and the processes was laid out by my client required her to hand over those documents to other people inside the organization. And yet she is legally responsible for these documents, and she has to hand them over to other people. And by understanding just how frustrating this was for her and how much of a concern it was, it really helped the client to understand not just that, yes, she has to hand over the documents, but why that matters and why that has such impact. And so it's, it's the um, emotions that we represent in the journey mapping, both in the map and in the reporting, that really tends to surprise clients and is the most critical. Wow. So I, I'm curious to hear a little bit about how that relates to our featured project for today, which is the customer journey mapping at Meridian Health. Uh, and I'd love to, maybe you can start out by telling us a little bit about that project. You bet. Um, Meridian Health um, is now Hackensack Meridian. Uh, they were a, at that time, a system with six hospitals in um, New Jersey. And their challenge was understanding the radiology, the advanced radiology journey, which was CT scans, ultrasounds, and MRIs. And so they wanted to understand what that all looked like and to look to see if they could improve the experience in order to build more customer loyalty. What was interesting as we got into that project is that the Meridian patients absolutely loved the hospital as a whole, but they weren't always going there for radiology, and so Meridian asked us to help them understand more about that journey so they could improve the outcomes for their patients. So what were the biggest areas of opportunity that you found in that journey? So just, and just to be clear, that we were, you guys focused specifically on that radiology journey. Exactly. And that's one of the things we talk about. We did some research regarding what makes an effective journey map. And one of the top three items, which most people don't think about, that number one was have a broad cross-functional team. People understand that. Number two was involve customers. People better understand that or we're, you know, we're not going to work with them. Yeah. But number three was select the right journey to map. Mm-hmm. And so it was advanced radiology, but also you have to figure out what's the trigger you want to focus on. And they didn't just want to look at the in-hospital journey. They started it the way a patient thinks of it, which is it begins the moment their physician says, you need this procedure. It then ends not when they're done with their appointment, but it ends once they get the results back from their doctor. And so it's important to spend some time thinking about what is that exact journey. And yes, so it was only advanced radiology, as the patient saw the experience. And did you, so when you uh, began the engagement with Meridian Health, did, did, did you know that you were going to be focusing on that particular journey or did you pick it together with them after thinking through the other journeys that existed for the company? In this specific scenario, it was always advanced radiology 
Um, we did spend some time talking specifically where do we begin, where do we end, which other hospitals they do it in. For a lot of our other clients, though, we have to spend time really getting through is what's the business problem we're looking to impact and what then is the journey and the right customer. We get a lot of calls from people that say they want to map the customer journey. When I ask them what they're trying to accomplish, they said, well, we want to make a journey map. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not you know, a great project. And so we really spend time defining what is that right journey. Meridian had a good handle on it to begin with, which a lot of our clients, prospective clients, don't. Great. So in taking in talking about those top three uh, components that you mentioned, being cross-functional, involving the customer, and picking a journey. So we've picked the radiology journey, and now let's talk about those other two. So cross-functional, who was involved within Meridian Health for this exercise? What groups, what teams? They brought across a very great group. They included everybody from the marketing and patient experience with the two groups that were sponsoring it, but they also included the centralized scheduling group. They included the technicians. They included the front desk, and they even included the radiologists, the doctors themselves, which is often difficult to do. And so they did a great job, as well as IT, to really go across the organization and think strategically about who might be able to help when we go forward, because if you don't involve a group and then you come there and say, hey, we did this journey mapping work, here are all the things you need to do differently, well, that's a bad conversation. And so they really thought that through. And then as far as involving customers, um, in this case patients, they were interested in everybody that came through them today, and they used a variety of methods to get their voice of that customer into it. And that's one of the things I loved about this project is they were very thoughtful. We worked with them to, to think through how we do it. So we started with a, a diary study to get people's perspectives as they actually went through the journey. We also interviewed physicians as well as physician staff to get that lens. Then we did kind of break one of our rules, which is we did a focus group of patients But a focus group is a fine secondary methodology. It lets you probe more into the emotions and also capture great video, so long as you've used a different method to get the actual journey, which in this case was the diary study. Mm. And then we um, did a survey out to their patient population to get even tighter on this. And one of the things I found, uh, 60% of our businesses in healthcare and a lot of, of the remainder is in financial services. And in those two industries, you can't do a journey map without a survey. One of our clients is with an insurance company, and she talked about when we did our first project together, which was qualitative only. He said, so you talked to 40 policyholders. What's the margin of error of that? Well, it's not designed to get a margin of error, but in those two industries, we have to do a survey. And so Meridian did a great job of, they had a panel of patients. And so we, inter- we um, surveyed them as well. Interesting. And I, so I want to go back a second to what we were talking about earlier, which is the cross-functional aspect, right? Because I think that's something that's really critical and often very difficult to accomplish. And it sounds like Meridian did a great job with this. They, they, they brought in a number of different groups how how were those groups specifically included? Were they 
uh, was was it a a brain in brainstorming sessions and sort of breakout sessions and things like that, or uh, did they were they also executing? Can you tell us a little bit about how those groups, how those folks were included? Sure, uh, we started out by um, in the kickoff we also did this hypothesis mapping session, and in that situation you take on the role of a patient. Now what we do is we give you the description of the patient, you give them a name. And then we surprise you by giving you name tags where you have to put that customer's name on. And so you'll see big, burly guys walking all, around all day with name tags that say Julie on them. <laughs> but they, they take on the role of that to, to start thinking through, what is this patient experience like? What we find is that really builds a curiosity. This is when journey mapping starts to become real because they've realized they don't necessarily know what their patient is saying or thinking when they're in that MRI machine or when they're scheduling the appointment. Then um, as one of the reasons of the focus groups as well is to make it continue to be real for them. So whereas we did the diary study, which is the way to really get what's happening and how they're feeling as it happens, again, that experiencing mind, that's hard for the staff to follow along. So the focus group also helps them to see it, to hear firsthand, and we're able to take the data from the diary study and use that to structure the focus groups to dive in deeper, but then also, again, to grab video of them saying these critical things. And then after that's done, we'll go do our analysis, build the map, and bring them all together again for an immersion and action planning session. We'll start out by bringing together reports and, again, a lot of videos, helping them see firsthand how their patients feel. And then from there, we'll do some immersion activities where, in that case, we had them build out an empathy map of what is that customer saying, thinking, feeling, and doing. And then lastly, what do we do about it? And in that last part of what do we do about it, that's that's sort of where the teams, you know, they've been participating collaboratively, but that last part is is where they each sort of get their assignments of how they're going to impact this journey in their own way, or what, what does that last piece look like? It has some of that as well. We generate typically, I don't remember their specific number, but we usually generate something between 80 to 120 different ideas. Mm-hmm. Now, you can't act against all those ideas. So we'll capture the quick wins. Some of those could be done in an afternoon. In fact, a lot of times our clients have already started making change even before that based on what they've heard. Then what we'll do is we'll generate, we'll narrow that list down to maybe 20 ideas and then start plotting those out on an effort versus impact matrix. And from there we'll get down to three or four very strategic ideas that we'll the groups will work on to help develop. And the last part of that is somebody in that room has to champion each idea. That's great. Now they all want to assign it to somebody outside the room. That's the easy thing. It's like, well, no, we won't let you do that. Somebody in here has to take it forward. The sponsor might not be in the room, but it's your job as the champion to find the sponsor to make sure this happens. That's great. I, li- I really wanted to dig in and, and understand how, how it all becomes actionable because a lot of people, you know, will say we did this wonderful journey mapping exercise, but then, you know, it was difficult to, to, to execute on those things. So I wanted to hear some of those tactics that you've employed to get, to get things 
you know, off the wall and into action. So what, what is it? And, and tell us a little bit about going back to the radiology journey. What were the moments of truth that you identified in that journey or the specific interesting aspects of that journey? We identified three personas coming out of there. Um, newbie Natalie, as her name suggests, she's fairly new to the experience. Seen it all Stanley and high maintenance Holly. And the moments of truth varied across the three. Um, let's start with newbie Natalie. As her name suggests, she hasn't had a lot of radiology in the past. And so she doesn't know what to expect. For her, that real moment of truth is the opportunity to set her expectations so that she knows what she's doing. And there was an, an unmet need there to have better control, to know what was happening um, that they could really facilitate for her. For um, seeing it all Stanley, that um, was very different. For him, he loves Meridian. Uh, his kids were born there. He might have been born there. It's his hospital. Stanley has a favorite place to park at the hospital. I never want to have a favorite place to park at a hospital, but he does. Uh, and so he's a veteran. For him, the moments of truth are really talking to people that he knows, recognizing that tech that he's been in the past, and having an emotional connection with them. And his journey overall is very positive. But that third persona is high-maintenance Holly. Now, demographically, she's very similar to Stanley. They're both baby boomers. They're both healthcare veterans. They, they go there a lot. The difference is she's anxious. Over a quarter of the people we eventually recognize as Hollies got lost in the hospital mm. trying to find radiology. Now, there's plenty of signs. There's people to ask. But because she's so anxious... She doesn't ask, and she just goes off to find it on her own. She might see, for example, outpatient surgery and say, well, I'm an outpatient. I'll go there. And so for her, the moment of truth really is the moment she steps foot on the hospital because that's the moment that she's no longer in control. That's really interesting. So, so oh, sorry, go ahead. So, uh, so Brittany's challenge to that is how do we help her have control while in the hospital? How do we help her understand what she can do, what's expected of her? And that's really where a lot of the action planning focused on that. So I, I think I want to I want to pick on high maintenance Holly for a second uh, because I, <laughs> I think that uh, you know that's a that's an area where I can imagine Meridian might be putting out some fires, right? If they don't, if that journey goes awry, or if, if a person that's in that, or somebody with that persona can be can be there can be some sort of critical moments in that person's experience. What were some actions or some projects that came out of evaluating that persona and their journey? that you felt uh, that Meridian wanted to put, in, put into action? I have to be a little bit vague here. Um, okay. You know, clearly our clients don't really like, like us sharing a lot of what they do, but I can speak to that. It was really regarding that part about putting patients in charge, giving them the control. And that began with really communicating, giving them a better sense of what was expected and that came, that then led to work as well to create a very deliberate planned experience. 
clearly they'd, they'd done work on planning, but they did it on their individual silos. Here mm. Meridian did an excellent job of bringing together the different, and by silos I mean different departments. I mean the radiologists versus the front desk versus marketing. They did a great job, as you mentioned up front, they, to bring it together cross-functional teams. And so they used this as an opportunity to plan as a group how they're going to deliver this much better experience together. Excellent. So in taking a step back, I guess, you know, in thinking about your client base, you mentioned that 60% of your clients are in healthcare. Now, I want to talk about this healthcare journey within the context of Meridian and just in general. You know, the, it, this seems like a very personal journey, right? There's, there, uh, you know, when you're a patient, it, it's, it's quite personal. So can you talk, talk a little bit about how these healthcare journey mapping exercises are different from the other industries that you work with? Yeah, the real difference is right. It's very personal. And so anxiety plays a big role. You know, when you're spending every day in this area, it's easy to forget that you know things that the patients don't. And it's sometimes difficult to remember, especially if you don't talk to patients every day, mm -hmm. just how much anxiety is involved with these journeys. Um, in this case, when we talk, for example, about um, the MRIs, if you've ever been in an MRI, you know there's a lot of anxiety about that. It's claustrophobic. It's a tough, tough procedure to go through. And it's important to help people understand what to expect. And whereas Meridian's technicians were really fantastic, in fact, in the survey, they got, I think, a 4.9 out of 5 in terms of kindness. So great. But a lot of the other folks weren't always remembering about what it's like to get the MRI. And we see that quite often in healthcare. Uh, if I move outside of, of uh, Meridian to some of our other clients, it's really easy to forget that you are not a normal person. I talk to a lot of people who say, well, I'm a customer. I use our hospital. So I, I know what people go through. I know what it's like. No, really, you don't because mm -hmm. you live in that hospital. This is part of your experience, and it is changing you so you no longer represent your customer. That is a phrase I hear quite often. I'm a customer. I know what customers want. And it's never true because you are the most informed artificial customer the world has ever seen in your space. And that's what we see. We saw less in Meridian, but we see it all over the place where people forget that they're really not normal. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think it, and it also, I mean, just leads me to think that there's a lot of empathy required in this journey. We have to sort of really you know, try and put our, despite even being a customer of the, of the hospital system, it would be, it's so important to try and step out of that, uh, mindset because you, you, like you say, it's, it's a very anxiety inducing process for most people. Oh, it definitely is. That's why we spend a lot of time after we do the report, which again, is a lot of video in there. We don't just go right to action planning. We spend time to make sure they really got it. They really understand what it is that their patient, their customer, their business customer, depending on what the experience is, they really do internalize what it's like to be a customer. 
That's great. And so, and to wrap up the, the featured project for today, uh, Jim, what would you say have been the results? I, I would love to hear, I don't know when this initiative took place, but I, you know, what have been the results since? Is there anything you can tell us on that front? A little bit there. I can tell you that uh, it happened three years ago, and they've done tremendous work with this. Um, one of the things they did is they were then merged with a larger firm, uh, larger um, network, the Hackensack Meridian now, and they were able to take a lot of these results and apply it to a larger organization. And I actually interviewed their chief experience officer a few weeks ago, who is who was not there when I did the work. And she's taken this and really even brought it up a couple levels to add in governance and really take a comprehensive approach. So that even though our work was down in radiology, which is a relatively small percentage of what a hospital does, they're able to take what they learned in that process and really develop very mature systems to make sure that patients really have a great experience. That's excellent. It's great to hear that it's it's sort of being adopted by other parts of the organization. That's something, that's an accomplishment in and of itself. Yeah, we had a great team to work with there, and it was a lot of fun. Excellent. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that with us. I think it, it's, it's fascinating to learn about how, it, how this journey mapping exercise applies specifically to healthcare and, and the work that you did with Meridian. So thank you so much for that. Um, so I'd like to, I'd like to ask you one more question before we wrap up for today, which is what what do you see as the future of customer experience? What does the future of customer experience look like to you? Well, the first thing is the future of customer experience is not surveys. And there have been a lot of people who confuse that customer experience is about net promoter score and other surveys. The future of customer experience is better internalizing your customers' emotions, how they feel about it, number one. Number two, it's linking it back to the business. When I see an immature organization in terms of customer experience, it's they're reporting on the survey scores, that's great, and they aren't tying it back to the business need. Um, so that's number two, is tying it back to business needs. And then number three, is really being about action. Right now, a lot of customer experience capabilities are about reporting. That needs to stop. I see that really changing as they come more about driving action. Right. It's it's and it's a, a certain ethos, right? I think it, I think you nailed it. It's it's whatever the project is is keeping those three things in mind as you're as you're working through it. Definitely. Very nice. Well, thank you so much, Jim, for taking the time to speak with us today. It was really a pleasure to have you. Incredibly interesting to hear about customer journey mapping again and how it applies to uh, healthcare and and you know really the ways that you constantly improve the overall customer experience using these exercises it's outstanding so i really enjoyed our chat and i hope to speak with you again soon that would be a lot of fun thank you really appreciate it uh, of course and to all of you out there listening let's keep making moves You've been listening to The CX Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe via iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. For more information on how SailMove enables the world's top companies to deliver the in-person customer experience online, please visit SailMove.com.